Welcome to another episode of Cranked and Ranked, and the second part of our two-part Faith No More album ranking. Um, This is a band that you can kind of go off on tangents talking about. There's a lot to talk about, and on top of that, uh, this is one of our favorite bands. So we decided to split this shit up uh, over two episodes. And last episode, if you didn't listen, uh, was uh, our number seven through our number four. And today we're talking about the top three. Um, And uh, so, yeah, uh, uh, as always... Uh, I, I'm uh, Steven from, from Old Head, if, if you know that. And with me, as always, is Eddie Sparks. Say hey. hello, sir. Hey. What's up? <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, with, let's let's not uh, beat around the bush here, because who knows how much we can milk these three albums, because uh, uh, I have a feeling we'll have a lot to say. So um, let's just get started, as usual. And, and uh, Eddie, you start off with your number three in your top three Faith No More albums. Okay, so number three, this section of my list was the hardest of all of the parts of my lists to place an album because putting the two albums at three and four, either of them above one another was extremely difficult for me. Mm-hmm. I would have them I would have them joint third, but we're cranking them and ranking them, so I can't uh, I can't I can't we do got rules here. We have rules. <laughs> We we can't we can't go against the grain on this one. So I've had to go for King for a day, full for a lifetime. All right, I like I like this because I believe that that because yeah that was my number four. So it's almost like this is a continuation of the conversation about King for a day. So let's do totally. it. Totally. Now, if you'd have talked to fourteen-year-old uh, me and told me that this album would be my number three, he'd tell you, you're fucking crazy. You're talking out of your ass. (laughs) But, like, this album is quite possibly the biggest grower record I have ever had in my life. This album has grown on me and grown on me to the point where it was, like, the first album where they kind of got away from their iconic sound to my third favorite album in their catalog. And, um, you know, the change in production and the sparseness of keyboards on this record made it hard for me to get into initially. But uh, like I say, it really, really grew on me over time because the quality of the musicianship is still 100% there. And um, with with that said, I'm going to jump into the track by track. So... um, We've got Get Out, which is an awesome, stripped-back, aggressive opening track, Um, but no keys, you know, which kind of sets the tone for an album that explores, uh, like, genre song by song rather than the hybrid kind of stuff on Angel Dust. So um, it's kind of like... I know we've kind of used a pizza analogy before, (laughs) and... And um, here is how I would describe the difference between Angel Dust and King for a Day. Angel Dust is a pizza with all the toppings everywhere, 
all over the pizza. Like, someone just threw every topping they possibly could all over the pizza. This has a different topping slice by slice. So, it's... That, cohesive. I, that is a very good divided. analogy. I really think that we should every episode now we should try to figure out how the band fits into the pizza analogy because I think it's pretty. It's a pretty good way of of of, of uh, slicing it up, if you will. <laughs> that's 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 the thing. You know, there really is something to be said for you know the. I mean, obviously, the pizza is the pie chart of food. So. <laughs> And 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 pizza's fucking relatable. So I mean, you, you could you could say that pie is the pie chart of food. <laughs> well, it's it's a pizza pie. I guess you're right. If, that's true. Yeah. If it's made hey. in a circle, it's a pie. No, that's not true. <laughs> All, right, all right, never mind. Let's get back. <laughs> Question: Does this inherently make a cake a pie or a muffin a pie? <laughs> We're just gonna or get a, a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> is it now a pie? <laughs> Anything round people is a pie. Yeah, that's true. An, an orange is a pie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to shut up about pie now. I'm going to get hungry. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, um, heading back into Get Out, I just think it's a really cool straight ahead, you know, proper driving song that, you know, there's there's like two or three on this album. Um quite like this but i think this is definitely the most mission statement one of them all it's also very cool how that song has kind of a false start to it like it comes yeah. in everything together and then all of a sudden everything drops out except for the drums and it's like it's when you first hear it it's kind of like oh oh what is this it's like you yeah you think you know what you're about to get but then you're like nope you're not you don't know what you're about to get at all that's i guess that's the whole album really definitely and i think right off the bat a a big change for me, you know, aside from the absence of Roddy's keys is the difference in guitar tone. You know, Jim had a very distinctive tone mm -hmm. right through the first four albums, albeit different flavors of it, but still, still very much Jim's tone. Yeah. Um, but there really is something to be said for how good of a guitarist and um, how varied in style Trey Spruance can be. In case people don't know, Trey Spruance is actually the guitarist primarily from um, Patton's other band, Mr. Bungle. Um, and he's an absolute beast in that as well, you know? And I feel like the Bungle influence, especially with the combination of um, Trey and Mike Patton in the band, it allowed them to really explore different genres that they perhaps wouldn't have been able to do with Jim, despite the fact I, I miss Jim, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's still a very cool way to approach an album. Plus at that point, Bungle had two albums at that point, I believe, or was, or was the second Bungle after this? I don't remember. Um, I, th I think that the second Bungle might have come out just before this i'm not 100 percent sure so like i was i was thinking that you know where you have jim martin who jim martin was a part of faith no more and a founder of faith no more and then mike Patton comes in and eventually starts sort of flexing his creative muscles if you will um yeah. whereas trace bruance already knows the mike Patton way of working so he comes into Faith No More and he's like, okay, Mike, I, I trust you. What, what do you want to do? You know, so I think maybe yeah. he, he handled it a little bit better. And so maybe that's why this album 
is the way that it is because it's more like, I feel like they probably have very similar mindsets and, and they're able to work off of each other, um, really easily. So, um, but, uh, but I mean, it, you, you are right that, that Trace Perance is, is really good on this and the, and the guitar sounds really good, but it, it, yeah. it really, it really is a, a point in the band where something is missing and, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted somebody else to just steal Jim Martin's tone <laughs> and try to do yeah. it. So I guess it is what it is, but it is, uh, it is, it is an issue with the album where I just go, okay, this could be better, but he is still really fucking good. You're, you're right there. Definitely. And then that leads me into probably the biggest, um, well, I say one of them, you know, I said this, this album was a grower for me and here's a song that didn't strike me the first time I heard it but as time's gone by I've really come to appreciate it and the vibe it gives off and um Ricochet which is track two yeah is you know kind of a alt metal with an eastern twist which is something I love now but at the time I was kind of a a real thing angel dust purist so Mm. I was like Patton and Jim is the ideal sound that this is, this is different, but you know, as it grew on me and, um, the chorus is really cool. And overall, this song took me a long time to appreciate it. But when I finally did something clicked and I I love it now. And and it's that um, ascending kind of, it's always funny until someone gets hurt. Mm -hmm. That, that part. I I love that section of the song. It's very, it's very well written. It has a lot of, it's almost like it, it, it it take, it has a little peak at one point, but then it has another peak. It's, it's like there, the pre-chorus could easily be a chorus and then there's a, or maybe it's a, I don't know what you would call it. That's why I like a lot of their songwriting because you can't, you can't really just put the verse, chorus, verse thing on a lot of it. Some yeah. of it you can, but songs like this you can't. Um, but it is, it is, it is really well written because it is the the part that you think is the best part. You know, it's topped by another part, and so that's that's kind of cool, for sure. And then, which leads us into another grower track, um, evidence. Now, this chilled out jazz funk lounge song um i mean i was already kind of aware that faith no more could do this kind of thing mm-hmm. you know they they'd played edge of the world and easy and that kind of lounge style but on this they really fleshed it out and they had like real string sections and it's just it's just a, a cool different song and Patton really shows off his um lower range on this as well yeah, really showing off that kind of thing, <laughs> um, you know, because because before even on Angel Dust, he still had a little bit of this left over, <laughs> only a, only only a tiny bit. But you know, I think this is Patton sounds very different on this album, and I think this is the beginning of the kind of modern Patton sound. Because on Disco Volante, which is the second bungle full length there's not really any standout vocal moments that whole album is just kind of this weird experimental vibe kind of thing yeah um so there's not really any hooks on it um in comparison to the first and third album of theirs but you know i 
it's not one of my favourites, I'll, I'll admit, but I do enjoy it. And um, You're talking about evidence? Yeah, I'm talking about it, yeah. It's got a really good vibe to it. Like, it's... it's they, they, the uh, track order of the first half of the album to me is pretty spot on because it's, it takes you to these different places and, and you don't get bored with it. Um, it's like, you know, d- these different flavors. Like I, like I said in the last episode, it's kind of like you dismantled Faith No More and now you're just sort of looking at the parts that make, yeah. make them up individually. And so it's just, it's just an interesting listen from the get-go. For sure, and then you get Gentle Art of Making Enemies, which, um, first of all, happy birthday, fucker! <laughs> uh, that that line was always my favorite, and um, the part where he sounds like Peter Griffin from Family Guy also makes me giggle, though. Okay, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he does some really interesting vocal deliveries on this song. It's It's... It's in a similar vein to Get Out with its kind of kind of driving ahead, upbeat, punky metal style, but yeah. uh, it's much more dynamic. And I, I, I had an old friend when this album came out, and we were both big fans of this album, and he would always call the chorus of that of this, this song um, their Iron Maiden chorus. Like yeah. It <laughs> seems like it could be on an Iron Maiden song, and I'm like, yeah, I, I totally I hear that. that. Yeah, it's that. Well, all you need is just one yeah. bar excuse. Yeah, it, holy it, shit! I have never noticed that until yeah. now. That could work. <laughs> I might, I might cook something up on that one. That would be fun to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, it, it's it's a much more dynamic but stylistically similar track to Get Out. So it's keeping it's keeping the metal side of Faith No More alive while kind of drip feeding in these these other um, styles that they can also pull off, which leads me again into another out of left field track with Star AD, yeah, which is which is this like jazz funk thing, but it's in a more hectic funky way than the more smooth vibes of evidence it's just this like his vocal delivery on that as well is insane he's a yeah the whole song is one of those things where you could never have dreamed up them doing this song but you hear it and you're like this is perfect i mean it's yeah (laughs) it's the most i think out of this entire album it's the one where i'm like i don't know what they were thinking but they fucking nailed it (laughs) because it's like yeah it's very weird it's almost like a uh, it's got it's part part game show theme song and part yeah. <laughs> uh, pop song. It's like, it's, there's so many things going on. Like, a, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. I would say that I kind of view this album as what Mr. Bungle's first album would have been if they didn't jump genres between sections of a song. Oh, yeah. And just jumped between songs. Because... Because this here is, they're not really hybrid tracks. They're just tracks in a style. Yeah. So, you know, with the exception of maybe a few, which then leads me quite nicely into Cuckoo for Kaka, which (laughs) is what I believe to be the most classic Faith No More song on this album. It's got, it's got, Mike Borden's like boogadecka, 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 black kind of thing going on. It's got Billy's bass holding it down. Really weird atmospheric 
key sounds and the section where those like really bliss strings come in sounds like it could be on a older faith no more album totally and and th- that song that's probably it may in my top favorite mike patton screams when he gets to the the you can't yeah. kill it part yeah he sounds unhinged yeah. and i'm like that's so great like the the delivery on this song is so deranged and manic. It, yeah, he go like some of the some of the voices he uses in this song. It's like only a madman could cook this shit up. Yeah, you know, like it, there's a bleeding a scrimmage. No toast, butter. Those the jumping between these styles. Yeah, it's insane. It's mad. You know that this is. Like I said, this is probably the most Mr. Bungle Faith No More album. So if if you like, if you like genre hopping, but something a little more accessible than Mr. Bungle, this is probably the album for you. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it. My favorite part on the album is that part where those string sounds come in. Um. About halfway through. Um. Mm-hmm. Before before the it's cold and it's smooth and it's like yeah. in 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 the. No, no, it's not. It's the it's the part where it just goes, hey! it's it was something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like it's, it's the midsection. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop making pattern noises before I <laughs> leave my voice completely shot for the rest of the episode. Yeah, because the man has. Let's, let's has, not even attempt. Let's leave it for the master. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then I would say this next track. Is the is the song that stood out to me is the one I didn't like the first time I heard it. Yeah, and um, I actually know how to say this properly, but I'm gonna say my original dumb fourteen year old pronunciation of it. Carol Ho Voador. It's actually <laughs> it's uh, it's actually Caralho Voador. Oh, if I am if I am correct, that was it's, uh, sexy. It was. I, I need to learn I need to learn a second language, but I'm too I'm too dumb at language to be able to do shit. So like, I don't I, I don't French. I don't know if I've ever pronounced the name of this song out loud. I just look at it and go, that one that starts with a C. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually translates to flying dick. <laughs> That's you it actually does. I learned something here, folks. I never bothered to Google translate the title of this uh, song. I'm glad I know that. Yeah. Now. I, apparently, if if I'm correct, it, it's kind of, I don't know if I'm 100% accurate, but it's kind of like someone who pretends to be cool, but they really aren't. And it's this like, I, I don't know, flying dick is just such a fun idea to to think about. I guess that, but- that kind of goes along with the chorus. The, my lips are moving, but there's no sound. Someday somebody's going to get run down. Yeah. Um, I guess that kind of, I kind of get it. Yeah, it's it, like I say. I used to dislike it. Then it grew on me, and it 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 probably is the only Bossa Nova song I have on my iPod. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, it gets that accolade. But um, yeah, the Roddy's keys really um, do it for me on this one. That mm-hmm. kind of like sounding thing. I've I've come to appreciate it's it's place on the album especially because it actually breaks up the two in my opinion most probably two of the most similar tracks on the album you know you get ugly in the morning which is like um 
it's kind of like Cuckoo for Kaka did meth. So it's like <laughs> it's even more deranged than Cuckoo for Kaka, but it is from the same kind of ballpark. Um and I don't know whether or not um their placing on the album is intentional to kind of keep the listener invested in like the kind of classic Faith No More sound. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like there's uh, there's a lot of duplicate-ish tracks on this album. Like, you've got... Um, you've got What A Day and Dig In The Grave. You know, you've got um, Cuckoo For Kaka and Ugly In The Morning. It's almost like they're kind of sister tracks yeah. where they have a same the same vibe but tackle it differently. Yeah, and uh, and and I remember the first time that I heard "Ugly in the Morning" when I first listened to the album. Um, <laughs> I I remember I I couldn't understand what he was saying in the chorus, and I purposely <laughs> didn't look at the lyrics because I was like I was just listening to the album, and I was the whole time listening to what the fuck is he saying? Because if you don't know the song <laughs> is called "Ugly in the Morning," it he the way he's saying thing it's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like you can't. You can't even understand it. And so finally, <laughs> once you know what it's called, you start to hear what he's doing vocally. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. But at first I was like, what the fuck is this song? <laughs> Until it gets to the end when he's just yelling gibberish and the whole song falls apart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just that like weird, holy shit, the song is ending. How do we end this? It's got... It's probably one of Faith No More's most chaotic tracks. Yeah, I really would. When, whenever something like that happens in a song where there's a really odd vocal ending to it that, that probably couldn't be duplicated, it always makes me want to be able to go back and listen to what the other ones were because clearly he didn't do that yeah. once. So I'm like, yeah. was there a more straightforward ending? Was there one where he did something totally different? And so it's like those as a fan, those are the things I'm interested in. Like, how did he get to that? Like, did he yeah. was that literally a one take, or did he go, I have some different ideas and we just we'll just pick which one works the best, you know? It's also kind of like when a song has a fade out and you know that the band kind of jammed on a solo for a little longer. Yeah. than the song was i kind of want to know what like the last notes of those songs are usually like, they're usually it's just the first note of the of the riff <laughs> you know it's just a ring yeah. out <laughs> it's like that's why that's that's why like you know i don't necessarily like fade outs in songs that much but i'll take a fade out over just a generic ending on the one you know <laughs> because yeah. i'm like you know, <laughs> Uh, the in, endings of songs are always weird to me, especially live. Like I like like I I want bands to just end songs. And one of my pet peeves, which is funny because our, our favorite band Metallica is guilty of this, where a song ends and instead of just ending it and moving on, they got to go and like okay, 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 the song is over. Just hit it at the end and then say, all right, moving on because if we we cut off all of these endings, we'll have time for one extra song. So let's just fucking move on. I feel I feel like. They they could get away with that on like one or two songs, but yeah, if you do it to excess, it just gets it does get annoying. Yeah, if if every song ends with like a, it's like kind of okay, you're milking it, 
Move it's on. almost it's almost <laughs> like that's when the applause sign comes on for, for the yeah, crowd to yeah. cheer. <laughs> but anyway, that's not that has nothing to do with this particular song that we're on because this one has a great ending that just seems oh, like for sure. just seems like you know the 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 car was like on its last legs and everything just fell apart, you know, and it, yeah. it, it and it just <laughs> fell onto the side of the road. <laughs> Oh, uh, but yeah, I, again, I remember hearing this song for the first time and being like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's almost like the band were playing in in the tour bus and the tour bus went into a spin and just started rolling. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> but yeah, um, we, we've camped out on Ugly in the Morning long enough, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So uh, next up, we got uh, Dig in the Grave. Yes. So... As a single, it's a striking introduction to a more stripped back Faith No More, but I actually prefer What a Day is this type of song rather than Digging the Grave. Which I don't, I don't get that at all. Like Digging the Grave is pretty fucking perfect. Like it's that's it's just a great example of the band knowing how to nail a straightforward rock song with killer hooks in it that could easily just go on the radio at any time. I mean um that's I anyway, that's my opinion anyway see i i will i will get to my reasons on what a day but yeah it, you know like i say it's it's not it's not a bad song by any means i i just prefer what a day but you know that midsection like i think this was the first single from the album wasn't it was it the first single so i don't remember singles for this album because i bought it when it came out and at this point, this was 1995, and yeah. I was and I wasn't watching MTV that much anymore. I had sort of fallen off of it. And Headbangers so, Ball had ended by then. Hadn't yeah, it? yeah, it 95. ended the year before. And so um, I I don't remember seeing the video for Digging the Grave until way later. So I, I think maybe it was more of a European thing. I feel like they probably did better with this album yeah. over there, and so it's. It's probably that was probably just one of those things where the Faith and Moram came out and people just weren't excited about it. Well, some of us were, but <laughs> I guess a lot yeah. of people weren't. Yeah, I would say like as a single, this is a striking. This would probably be like the best kind of introduction to a more stripped back Faith No More. You know, despite the fact that you know a, a big thing for me is that Roddy plays keys on What a Day. So um, well, there's keys in the middle of uh, of uh, digging the grave after after the little yes. after the little drum the little drum break and then it comes in there's keys under that I suppose I suppose I, I it's, it's more of a mood thing it's not really anything yeah that sticks out. I, I suppose I kind of forgot that because in the in the music video for it Roddy is playing a guitar oh yeah well, now I'm all like is there keys there and I just put them there in my brain no there's keys I there. think it it might be kind of a moody guitar chord. You may I'm be right. You may you sure. may be right. It might be something something melodic underneath. Um, now I want to go back and listen to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's we'll pro- it's probably um, it's probably important to point out, and I don't know how confirmable this is because you can only put so much um, weight into like things that you read after the fact. But yeah. but, but the things that you read, the reason why Roddy wasn't in a lot of the tracks was because he uh he had a lot of deaths in his immediate friends and family around that time 
And yeah. so apparently he was a he was not completely there emotionally. And so I think when they were putting the songs together, he there were just some where he was like, "These are fine. You don't need me. I'm I'm kind of busy," <laughs> you know. Yeah, I th- I think around that time his I think he was close with Courtney Love, so Kurt's death shook him. Oh yeah, and, and he died the year before, so probably when around the time they were recording this, I, I think is probably when yeah. he died. And then obviously, I think I think his dad died as well around this time. Yeah, yeah. I think it was one of his one of his parents. So it's one of those things where where I it's a I, I uh, it's a sticking point when it comes to this album. But at the same time, I'm kind of like I total I totally understand it, and I I'm glad they went ahead and did the album anyway instead of putting it off. You know. Yeah, and I th- and I think as well it kind of serves the album because it doesn't feel. I think the absence of keys doesn't feel forced either because, you know, with that backstory behind it, this album in no way feels like they're trying to keep up with their contemporaries. They're, they're just doing what they do yeah. best, you know, and, and that's always what they have done, but um, especially so on, on this album because it's a complete change in the band's formula. Um, but yeah, that was uh, Digging the Grave. Next up, um, I've got one one of my favorites from the album, which um, Chuck Mosley actually did a pretty good cover of it himself um, before he passed away. Um, Take this bottle, you know. I I think this is a you know excellent moving um, country style ballad. It, you know, it's I haven't really got anything other than the fact that I just really love this song. Yeah, and they great. Na- it's almost like it's almost like if RV was taken seriously, you know. Yeah. <laughs> in, in in a way where there, there's no tongue in cheek, it feels very sincere for a Faith No More song. You yep. know, because because they kind of tend to shy away from saying that they have lyrical depth, even the, even if even if they do. You know, Patton usually shrugs off his lyrics, says, oh, I just picked these words because I like the way they sound. But every now and again, he'll give like a little nugget of information away. Like, um, oh, I I suppose midlife crisis is kind of about Madonna. And it's like, well, that just opens up a whole new can of worms. (laughs) You know, you know, it's (laughs) and it and it does make me wonder if a lot of the time his lyrics have just been trolling us the entire time. But this of all of them feels it feels really sincere and, and I think that's why Mosley pulled his version off so well because it, it's it's a little bit more from the heart in in a way. Yeah, it's also there's a there's a beauty in the simplicity of it all. Like it's not there's not a whole lot of lyrics to it and there's not yeah. anything flashy about it. It is just sort of a feeling, um, very yeah. straight straightforward kind of country ballad song. Yeah, and I th- and I feel like Roddy does have a shining moment on this when you know his keys really add that kind of um, they do add that like kind of big country edge to it that kind of country ballad feel and yeah. this album is this album is a metal album with a shitload of non metal tracks <laughs> yeah. on it you know and um, like. Of the album's 14 tracks, you know, I'd say about half of them aren't in the straight-up metal style, even though, on the flip side of that, the metal ones are heavy. Yeah. So, um, 
it really is kind of like if angel dust was pulled apart. Mm-hmm. So, like like we said with the pizza analogy, but um, you shut up about fucking pizza, Will. God. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got, um, yeah, Take This Bottle. Great song. Um, heading straight into the prog opus of King for a Day, which took me years to truly appreciate this six-minute title track which just completely opens up in the middle to this epic psychedelic breakdown thing going on and you know i can't believe it took me years to notice how mind-blowing the explosive parts of this song is but good lord like what a song and um yeah you know if it's what was it you said about King for a Day? I, I forget from the previous episode. It has yet to air. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, well, no, I don't think I said anything about the song specifically. I just think that that, for some reason, what that, after this is when the album falls off for me a little bit because I think yeah. this song is so strong. This song would have been a great closer or I don't know. It almost seems like it's a culmination of everything on the album because it's it's got... It's got the keys on it. It's got the more funky bass going on on it, but then it also has these levels of things going up and kind of being a little bit heavier. And um, it really takes you on a journey. So it almost feels like it should be a, a closing track. Um, just, I don't know. Even the way that it that ends, it, it would yeah. be so cool if the album ended with him saying, don't let me die with that silly look in my eye. And then the album ends. Like, I mean, yeah. that would be great. Um, but then it, then it doesn't. And then we get three more songs that are good, but in my opinion, not as good as the rest of the album. See, uh, this, this is where we differ <laughs> on this album. Cause yeah. these, these three songs are, are favorites of mine. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump straight to the defense of what a day. Um, in my opinion, plus the fact that Roddy is much more prominent on this one uh-huh. is my preferred song to dig in the grave. And while they're similar in vibe, I feel like this one has some more standout moments for me, um, especially like the kind of harmonized, like, you're right, you're right, kill the body and the head will die. There's a lot more standout vocal moments for me on this. And the chorus to me, you know, that what a day, what a day, if you can look it in the face. You know, I love that. That kind of chorus is much more my kind of thing. I think a lot of it to, for me is the fact that there's too many repeated lyrics, which as a songwriter, I listen to it and where they're repeated, I go, oh, he didn't have anything else to go here. <laughs> and so he repeats, a, he repeats words a lot or phrases a lot in it. And so, um, because like the, the, you know, you shut up, okay, old dad, you shut up, okay. But then, then it goes to another part and he, he's saying it again. It's almost like, yeah. all right, he had, he had nothing else lyrically to go there. And maybe that was his intention, but as a, as a listener, I'm all like, oh, so there's nothing, there's no, nothing to sink your teeth into lyrically with a lot of the song. Cause even the chorus, what a day, what a day. It's like, you know, that he says what a day a lot in it. Even after yeah. the, even after it, where he's just going day, what a day, what a, <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> so I think that's probably what drags it down. Cause musically, like, I don't think I have any problem with it. I think it's, everyone sounds great. I think for, for me, th- this song in particular, I would call like the pairing of What A Day and Last To Know as the grunge section of the album. Because What A Day 
it, like you say that what a day, what a day, what a day. I don't mind, I don't mind, I don't mind. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Do you know notice that like Nirvana <laughs> Nirvana kind of breed influence on that one and then um and then obviously on Last to Know, my my notes read this. Three words Stone Temple yeah. Pilots. The the riff in the middle could have been on core. On core, and yeah, because it, it has that thing that they were doing with these real heavy riffs with the palm muting in them. Like that's yeah. that's it, yeah, down, it's very down, it's down. very grunge on the heavier side. Yeah, it, it the only thing that really sets it apart is you know Patton's kind of operatic vocal, but those chord choices and you know that down is pure core era stone temple pilots yeah that that part's pretty cool i also always really i also i don't know if i like it or don't like it it's a lyric in the song that i always hear and i go i'm struggling with how i feel about this and that's the lyric um can't you see there's only one me and that me is me (laughs) that's that's the lyric that i go uh is this good or not? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of That's those a- <laughs> middle of the road weird lyrics where I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> that sounds like a first. That sounds like a first draft for sweating bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, me. Did you know the real me is me? <laughs> Hello, me. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then finally, God, this is my longest track by track ever I'm, it's it's my it, fault i'm jumping in a lot <laughs> no it's it's cool you know because reality we actually you know there's a six album deal on this episode now i think about it technically so uh <laughs> yeah. yeah um so finally just a man in my opinion is the most majestic album closer in their entire discography especially with that choir at the end it you know I love, I love the way Angel Dust ends. I love the way the real thing ends. I I like the way all their records end, really. Apart from maybe, um, we care a lot, but this song is something else for me, especially when the choir inexplicably comes in yeah. at the end. You know, because it, it's a very big vibey song, and then you get to the like. Man was born to love, yet he has sought to like fly to Gurai, <laughs> like, to kiss the sun of East and West. And it's almost like this fantasy movie, and then all of a sudden erupts into this gospel grand finale. And it, it really does show off a different side of Faith No More that I think, you know, holds up to the rest of their discography extremely well. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song and a really good closer. I just, it's just... Uh... Um, I think that that it's a it's a song where the second half delivers a lot more than the first half does. Um, so it's, yeah. so it ends up being a great song in the end. But when it listening to the album, the last three songs are just the ones where I I kind of go, all right, well now we're at the end of the album. Like there's a real oh we're done kind of feeling because you're now we got to get through these last three songs. But I always really love the the ending of uh, of just a man. It's 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 beautiful, really. So. Yeah, I th- I think it it is one of the most beautiful moments in their in their discography. But yeah, that wraps up 
How how long have we been on the first well, album? Forty minutes or Jesus. almost forty minutes on on one album. I Gee, but it, it's okay because I I'm always very quick with mine, and then and that that's a big reason why I've decided to start interjecting with you because I'm like, well, mine I kind of blow out really quickly, so you know <laughs> we might as well you know really dig in on yours. But uh, so my my number three um, is uh, introduce yourself. Knew it. Right on. <laughs> um, from 1987. Um, so this was this is uh, the last album with Chuck Mosley on vocals, and it's the first because their first album is really good to me. But this is the one where I think they fully realized the Faith No More sound. Yeah. Um, there's a real big improvement in the songwriting and in the production over their debut album. Um, and, and honestly, I like this one because there's more of a guitar presence than there is on We Care A Lot. Um, there's, yeah. It's still very keyboard heavy, but the guitars pop out a lot more and there's a lot of heavier guitar parts uh, than on the first album, um, which they once again of, brings us... Go ahead. The, they kind of ditched that fizzy new wave um, synth sound and just became Faith No More. Because you know? yeah. with, with the first album, like I say it does feel a little bit demo-ish in places, even if it is, you know, their first full-length album. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that will turn around and say, oh, their first album's just a demo. Um, but, I, you know, I really... I, I do like We Care A Lot, but this is where Faith No More became what they would be. Yeah, and um, and I think that the production lends, it, lends itself to really bringing out the sound of the band. Um, but, yeah... So this is, you know, everything, all the elements are there. The, the Jim Martin's guitar sound, the, the keys, the bass, the, the drums, like everything is just like they got it right. They figured out what they were doing. And um, this album still, to me, even though you could equate Faith No More with other bands in the same at the same time that we're doing things where they incorporated funky stuff and, and rock. I still think that this sounds like no other band. I can't think of any other band that sounds like this. And the fact that they had that kind of original, uh, you know, goal or vision, um, you know, by album two, um, it's, it's pretty great. And it's, it's mostly because there's just a lot of different vibes in in this album and it's like a convergence of styles like you were saying about you know king for a day they're all separated but but now like you know starting with introduce yourself it's like they know how to meld these different elements together to make this really unique sound and this album is just to me strong from start to finish there's no skippable tracks um it's just it's just banger after banger and it's uh um, I don't know. It's really entertaining, and and um, the the only thing um, that you know, it's one of those things where now we're talking about albums that are so amazing that you know one of them has to be lowered down. And with this one, the songwriting is so good, you kind of get a hint of where they were going to be going, and it's very clear that they were going to need a more dynamic vocalist in order to get there. But that being said. I love uh, what Chuck Mosley does on this album. He he just brings this chaotic energy to these songs, and even in his approach, like some of it, it seems like he either you know wrote the lyrics right before he did them, 
or they were all just stream of consciousness lyrics um, or ad libs or whatever. And um, something about that is really interesting with the music because, you know, Mike Patton is very, uh, he's a writer and he's very calculated and everything I'm pretty sure is, even though he, he seems like he makes some off the cuff decisions. I think Mike Patton has a really clear vision of what he wants to do before he ever steps into a fucking vocal booth. Um, sure. And and I think Chuck Mosley didn't. I think he was a guy that, depending on the day and what had happened the night before and what mood he was in, you could have <laughs> gotten a completely different version of a song than the one that you got. And I think that's Definitely. very cool. So um, that's honestly really all I have to say about this. We talked about it last time, but it is, um, it's an album that just holds up today. Like it, it does not sound dated to me. It sounds unique. And um, that's something to be said when it's an album from 1987, that it still, it still sounds so alive and energetic and new. It sounds like, you know, something that you don't normally hear. Um, yeah, so. I, I, would say, I would say the only, the only Faith No More record to my ears that sounds dated is their first album. And that is probably solely based on the gear that... Roddy was using at the time to get the synth <laughs> yeah. synth patches he he wanted because yeah. it's it's very it's very new wave it's very new romantic but by the time you get to um, introduce yourself the sounds especially in the synth and drum department are much more sophisticated and they it, they totally. sound they sound very much of not just not just more of an alt metal sound, but Faith No More's unique blend. Yeah, and that, that's and that's a thing that to remember in, in eighty seven the 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 term the terms alternate the term alternative I don't even think was a thing in eighty seven, and so yeah. alt metal definitely wasn't. So the idea of this music, um, even though like you had you know bands like Fishbone and whoever that were doing these sort of genre blending kind of 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 things. Um, it, they, it really, it really is like if you were going to do some sort of a, you know, uh, uh, beginnings of alt metal kind of, uh, you know, conversation, this album would have to be included at the top because it's, it's, uh, it sets the bar pretty high for what you can do. But, um, for sure. so yeah, so yeah, that's, that's my number three, introduce yourself. Cool. I can't believe we mentioned, uh, just before I move on to my number two, I can't believe we mentioned uh, the Mosley era without mentioning the legendary skit at the start of Death March. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Washington Boulevard, eastbound. 95 cents! Fuck you, I'll skate to the beach! And And I'll look... Better, Better getting there. Getting there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that song. <laughs> that skit just really shows off, you know, that Chuck Chuck was very much his own character. And, you know, I know we we Faith No More fans tend to tend to do a little bit of a pattern circle jerk, but it is important to note that the Mosley era era really has some gems too. And uh, yeah. And it yeah. really does. It really does. I, it's almost like Chuck Chuck's performances d- deliver this, this idea that Mike Patton can now improve upon and build off of. I don't think, 
I just, I think that, I, I mean, I don't know anything about his perception of Faith No More when he joined, but I feel like he probably listened to Chuck Mosley and thought, well, clearly I can kind of go any direction I want, you know? And so yeah. the fact that, the fact, so Chuck Mosley really kind of, kind of just opened the door, you know, for Mike Patton to have this big platform of his dynamic range and his ideas. So, so yeah, yeah. Chuck's, Chuck's very important and, uh, and it just sucks that he didn't have um, a successful music career post this because I think that he could yeah. have done really cool shit. He did do a lot of he did do a lot of projects, but they they, yeah. they never got much recognition. You know, he he was even in Bad Brains for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it it is unfortunate, and um, you know, it's it's really interesting to to look up the stuff that um. Doug Esper, he's he's written a book called Reintroducing Chuck Mosley. It's it's a it's a good read. Really, in, really interesting about you know Chuck's kind of character and the story okay. of his friends and stuff. And it's not like a Chuck biography. It's more of like an outsider looking in kind of thing. But it's it's you know it's nice from what I've heard from the um, podcast croissant episodes as well, where Doug appears. You know, it's really interesting because you you get to know the guy and. Just before I move on to my number two, uh, something I wish I could have, we could have gotten but never did, was a song that had a duet of Chuck and Mike on vocals. But sadly, that's something that obviously following Chuck's death will will sadly never happen. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't know if it, I don't know if it ever ever did because they did reunite with Chuck for some shows in. 2016 about a year before he passed away but i don't know if if mike got on stage with him i think that well i think because you were saying that they did shows where um chuck mosley just did they just did old songs with chuck but i i yeah. do i do remember there being shows where chuck came onto the stage and did like we care a lot and stuff with mike so they were that yeah. I'll have to check those out. Um, I don't remember how many shows they did like that, but I but I remember seeing footage of them on the stage together. I don't know how many songs they did, but um, and then there's a really great picture of Mike and Chuck together, like backstage. Yeah, um, I love that it, photo. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and and it's cool because like neither of them were really ever bitter about it. You know, it's, no. it was just kind of this this like mutual respect they had for one another. You know, there was never any trash talking, like kind of Dave Mustaine versus Metallica kind of stuff. You know, yeah. it, was just, it was, you know, there, there was there was never really any, you know, for, for a little bit maybe, but that feud fizzled out quick. Well, there are some there are some band member ejections or whatever that that I yeah. think I think all parties understand why it happened. You know, it's yeah. like it's like a. a uh, never mind. See, this is I'm so shitty with names that now I'm literally <laughs> trying to remember the original Iron Maiden vocalist name, and I know him very well. Um, um Paul Paul Diano. Paul, Di Paul Diano. Like the Paul Diano yeah. firing from Iron Maiden, j just even by his own accounts, he just wasn't interested in doing things. And you know, sometimes it's just like everyone, it everyone. Just yeah, there, there's no, there's no bitter feelings because it's like you know the band weren't happy and he just wasn't pulling his weight and he was aware that he wasn't pulling his weight so it's like you know with Ch with chuck I, I as far as i know it was you know drug issues and erratic behavior and stuff like that 
And so, yeah. you know, I, I'm pretty sure that he was well aware of why he was, he was picked <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. And so on, on that note, um, rest in peace, Chuck. Yeah. Rest in peace, Chuck. And uh, my number two is the real thing. Bam. Boom. Bada bap boom pow. So we've got uh, um, the real thing. Yeah, the classic album and their most commercially successful, you know, slightly overplayed, but goddamn, the songs are fantastic. I, I don't, I don't, I, I hate, I hate the phrase overplayed because it's all like anyone, anytime yeah. somebody says that I'm all like, well, you could have turned the radio off or the TV off. You didn't have to hear it <laughs> over and over again. Cause to me, like yeah. that, like, like I can hear Epic every day for the rest of my life and I will never be tired of it. Cause it's that good of a song. Yeah. And I, and you know, I've got kind of in my notes for Epic, um, overplayed maybe, but classic, of course. You know, I, yeah. I've got that kind of... I didn't of, mean to, is, I didn't mean to jump ahead. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's, it's cool. Yeah, I, I suppose, you know, I do agree with the with the overplayed analogy, but I suppose it, it does feel weird that, you know, one song... It annoys me when people turn around and say Faith No More were a one-hit wonder because they fucking weren't, you know. People just know Epic because... Well, I think, te- I think technically when it comes to chart position, they were a one-hit wonder, right? No, because We Care A Lot was a hit also, wasn't it? Mild, mildly, it was a minor I think, hit. I think so. And, and, you know, obviously you've got to account for... I think um, Faith No More did a lot better outside of the US later on in... So I guess it's more of an American thing. Because in America, I think you could easily call them a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah it's, that sounds fair because from what I've noticed is that, you know, in Europe and Australia, you know, Faith No More was always very well received, especially during, you know, because I think the first TV show they appeared on during the King for a Day era was The Word, which was a show in um, Britain. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like Faith No More were really embraced by um, Europe. I think they were more understood over there than yeah, they were here. Definitely. I feel like America, you know, just as an outsider looking in, is very scene driven. Yep. And so they'll like pick up on a this is happening in this place. MTV, ignore everything else, cameras over here, <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of thing. I think that the 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 amount of people over here that want to be challenged by the music they listen to is is it's it's a large amount of people, but the people that want shit cookie cutter and very straightforward is fucking huge. It's like, you know, yeah, it's 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 just one of those things that I, I've I've just had to get really used to it um, because that's especially in metal there is a lot of people just wanting things to be uh, similar all the time. Otherwise, you're a poser yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that that shit gets tiring yeah I, c- I can imagine that getting pretty pretty played out pretty quick okay lovely uh number two with the real thing um obviously classic album most commercially successful um songs are fantastic you know it's it, it's the album that gets the most attention commercially 
my girlfriend tried to kind of ruin the real thing for me because of the vocals, but she failed. Um, <laughs> so she, she, she would come up to me all the time with her nose pegged and she'd be like, in relation to the Warpigs cover and stuff. To be fair, though, like even live, he he. He, it's almost like he was pushing that style to the most obnoxious that it could be. Yeah, yeah. Like, like purposefully he, taking the piss. Like he, he, he. It almost like ha- sometimes he would even sing like with his tongue out. Like, ah, ah. Yes. He was like, it was. He would do a lot of things like that. Like he was really trying to puke up this 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 vocal style. Yeah. I could totally get why somebody wouldn't like it or think it was pretty amusing. But it's it's yeah. interesting that it's very it's it's very unique to this album. Like it's it's it, that this particular style. Yeah, I mean, like like I say, there's there's a tiny like slither of it on Angel Dust, and it's still a a little bit prominent on the first Bungle album. But aside from that, every other Patton project is pretty divorced from this vocal style. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, from out of nowhere, in my opinion. Best opening track in their catalog, hands down. Awesome way to open a record. Mm-hmm. That combination of the um, riff, that everybody's doing something different in this song because the guitar and bass line are different. The you know the drums are doing their thing. Patton's doing his vocal melody, and then obviously you've got the iconic kind of um, keyboards going on. And it really is, it might be a bit poppy, but in a good way, because it's just straight up catchy and, and enjoyable. Um, obviously, if if you're a Faith No More fan and you're watching this, Epic gets talked about a fair amount, so I won't camp out here too long. But, you know, it's it's the album that garnered them, you know, that kind of stigma of Red Hot Chili Peppers knockoff, even though no other song they've done sounds like epic which See, and you know and I, and I was a fan of the chili peppers at the time when i got into to faith no more when epic came out and i i didn't make that connection i didn't it did for some reason it didn't seem like a thing that you could compare to me yeah i feel i, I feel like the anthony kiedis mike Patton feud just kind of went down in history and now it's just kind of there and it became a little bit of a meme for people to take the piss out of but yeah, yeah it, it, it you know, I won't delve too deep into that because I don't know all the full details off off my own head. But um, going on to track three, Falling to Pieces is one of the most underappreciated songs in their catalog, in my opinion. You know, it's one of my faves. And the video for this song is my favorite music video of all time. It has everything I love about this era of music and music videos. And it's it is like a more fun uh, version of the epic video, which I already loved. Yeah. And in this, they just go wild from an imagery standpoint. This is my favorite era of the band. Um, you know, both in what they wear, how they present themselves. And, um, also the, the videos are amazing as well, especially with that like hand with the eye in it. It's just such a, unique image falling the video for falling to pieces is like it comes across to me as the most expensive college art project ever done (laughs) because it really it really does they like they had like they had all these ideas of things to do 
Like uh, we got we yeah. got to film this where he's upside down, and we got to film this where these these weird ceramic fish that are exploding or whatever it was. Um, yeah. Then we got to have the eye in the hand, and then we got to have it's just like all these different ideas just sort of explode into this music video. Yeah, and th- there's a there's a little clip of uh, in the video, and there's an extended behind the scenes clip of it um as well where all of the band's members are on each other's instruments so mike oh, Patton, yeah. yeah they they all swap their instruments for a bit and it's a fun little easter egg for um the fans to dig into i think that that's on that the video croissant or whatever they have that on there i've got i actually funny you should mention that i have next to me i know the the listeners won't be able to see this but i have in my hands right now two vhs tapes and i've got video croissant and live at brixton academy which are both excellent and i love i love the old school video store plastic cases that they are in (laughs) yeah (laughs) i love that hell yeah man i've got um wayne's world and wayne's world 2 next to them as well (laughs) wow i don't even have a vcr so if if, if something's on vhs i'm just like i'm never mind i'm not gonna buy it or or watch it (laughs) I just like holding it, to be honest. I like being able to say, this is from a time, you know? And I, and yeah. I just like knowing... I, I, it, there's just something about holding something in your hand. It's almost like this talisman. You know? that's, how, that's how I feel about cassettes, because I have a, a handful of cassettes, but I don't necessarily want to listen to them. I'm just like I, yeah. like... I like that they come from a time that that's probably, especially that, well, VHS probably as well, in any cassettes... Like that's a, that's something we will never come back to. Like that's, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine a scenario where those come back to to being prominent in any way at all. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I know bands nowadays are doing like limited special edition releases, just as little, you know, releases to, to have. But, um, you know, I've got a tape deck and, you know, I've, I'm just really obsessed with old stuff. So, um, if you've got any tapes that you want to get rid of, hit me up <laughs> and I'll take them. But yeah. Um, so moving on to track four, we've got Surprise! You're, You're dead. dead! There we go. So yeah. Um, after three pretty radio-friendly songs, you know, it's a very front-loaded album with regards to singles. Um, after the three singles... The band turns into a weird syncopated version of Slayer. Um, <laughs> again, awesome song. Um, and the first time I heard it, it really took me off guard. I was not expecting this. You know, even from the song title, I should have known I was getting into something a bit heavier, but I didn't expect them to just go full on chuggy thrash. Um, and I, I really do think this is the song when I, because I got the album after seeing the epic video. And I do think from listening to the album for the first time once once surprise your dead kicks in i think that's when i finally went this is like my favorite thing i've ever heard because the the combination of the songs going into that it was just this this feeling of they could do anything in the next song and i don't know what's i don't know what's coming next these guys are just kind of doing their own thing and it's it's fun to listen to albums like that for the first time definitely and um, that leads me into another, you know, pretty heavy in places track, um, Zombie Eaters, which is one of the best written Faith No More tracks. Yeah. Like, the, all of the sections are amazing. 
everyone's doing what they need to do. It's almost like prog in a way. And I have a fun little story. Um, I accidentally wrote the intro to this song completely independently of knowing the band when i was <laughs> when i was first getting into playing guitar i was playing i was like that's cool because i wanted to write something that sounded like welcome home sanitarium oh, and, yeah. I was, and i was sat there i was only like 12 and i was plinking away at my at my first ever electric and i was like that sounds really cool and i tabbed it out and everything only for two years later to find out that it had already been written and I felt gutted about it because I was like, damn it, I knew it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was too cool to not have been done. But yeah, I, I love Zombie Eaters. Um, and then you get the real thing, which is eight minutes of a lesson in how to create a perfect vibe in a song. Which the... And, which you're, you know, you're- I'm just jumping in in the middle here because the first version of the album I own side one ends with edge of the world. Um, and, and then the side two starts with the real thing. So there is kind of a, so when you listen to it back to back zombie eaters and the real thing have a similar vibe, like more of an Epic, not the song Epic, but an Epic quality to the songs. Yeah, yeah. But in the, the, my original version of the album, the way I heard it was you had this, loungy song or whatever the edge of the world would be called, you know, like a, an easy listening kind of track. And then it begins yeah. again on side B, but, but yeah, I'm guessing that was the cassette version. It was because the vinyl I have doesn't even have edge of the world on it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I've got an original pressing of the real thing and it doesn't have edge of the world. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm going off of the uh, CD running order. Cause yeah. that's, that's what I, that's what I got. Um, so yeah, eight minutes of vibing perfection, and when those riffs kick in, it really gives me goosebumps. You know that like digging 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 with the Roddy's high up like keys going on, and then when everything locks together for that, this is so unreal. Yeah. It's songs like this that I'm, that, that I was basically talking about before where they couldn't have done songs like this with Chuck Mosley. Like yeah. you, you need Mike Patton to one, when the, when you get the real syncopated parts and he's right with the rhythm, you need him to do that spot on. But at the same time, the, the vocal melodies that he wrote to a lot of these songs, they're, I mean, they had to have been beyond what the band was even expecting when they wrote the songs because he brings these songs to yeah. a, a much higher level of of already excellent music. And he just so I mean, yeah, so I think that, that if Chuck Mosley was involved, I don't think the songs would have would have would have succeeded the way that they do here. Yeah, although strangely, I can kind of hear Chuck doing the like this is so unreal what a feel or that kind of thing yeah but i i do get when it comes to the but kind of parts but even in the, the the kick that when the when the other part of the verse kicks in where he's doing the higher vocals like like his stuff is so well written that that i'm just like it had to have been that way it had to have been able yeah. to be to be that sort of it's almost like he brings a pop sensibility into his metal songwriting, you know? So, yeah, um, so definitely. it ends up working I've, out really well. 
I think that's a great way to put this um, album because it's not a pop metal album, but it has pop-like qualities to a prog metal kind of hooks. backdrop. There's hooks everywhere. Yeah. That there really is it's a really catchy album. And um yeah. I would say going on to the next track, Underwater Love would be similar in vibe to Falling to Pieces. Um it's underappreciated in that same kind of maybe, you know, for some people a little bit too poppy, but I I like it. And that solo at the end that Jim Martin does is badass. Yeah. Um and I wish Roddy had used that piano strings pad sound a little more because he uses it a lot in this song and he uses it in, um, what's it called? Falling to Pieces. And I, I always loved that sound, but I think he only ever used it on this album. He might use it a little bit on Angel Dust as well, but those are the only two, only two examples. But yeah, and then you get the morning after again another under underappreciated one i feel like the groove here is great and roddy really shines with the atmosphere he creates with his strings yeah it's like in that song it's almost like the the keys are the most important part of that song oh for sure so much um so much of roddy's playing is responsible for the songs moving forward mm-hmm. because it would be so easy for um everything to just be and just keep going because that would be the song without you know things in there as well but you know my god even even the like underappreciated tracks here are still really awesome and then and then you get this um woodpecker from mars awesome instrumental metal song that explodes halfway through and one thing i noticed is that that like they kind of camp camp out on that vibe i hear it in the start of the solo to epic oh yeah 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 i hear that same part and i feel like they thought hey that part of Epic is really cool. Let's really camp out on that and milk it for what we can. Yeah. But they create, they manage to create again this this vibe. And this is an instrumental track and it clocks in at about like six minutes. So they do a lot of interesting stuff. It's not a shreddy song, but you know, the rhythms they play with and the riffs they use and the melodies they choose. It's a very cinematic thing. I never even noticed how long the song was because it doesn't feel like a six-minute song. It's it's a very it's a very entertaining song. It it definitely is. It take it takes you somewhere, and that's the important thing with with instrumental sections is to is to take the listener on a journey. And then after that, you get the you know considering Patton would take the piss out of it live, you know, with the la 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 kind of things in there. Um, their cover of War Pigs uh, is really lets Mike Borden show off his drumming because I feel like it, it was his audition to become Ozzy's drummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can tell that there's Sabbath fans in the band, you know, and I actually used this as a reference to um, 
play this song in a band because everybody else knew the um black sabbath version but i preferred what mike borden did with his drums on this yeah. so i went for more of his kind of fills um oh voice crack sorry uh <laughs> i'm still going through puberty people it is a it is a tremendous experience <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um warpig's faithful cover uh borden's drumming really shines and um i think jim had a great time playing this uh being the metal guy and all that yeah it's it's honestly the point in the album where i don't know why it's there um it, yeah. it's, it's it's the only thing on the album that i'll sometimes skip over because um yeah i mean it's not it's not on the vinyl but um but it's it's just one of those things where i'm like i don't it's too it's too on the nose like they sure they kind of do their own it's not really their own version of it it's just their the 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 individual uh musicians put their own stamp on the parts while still kind of playing them traditionally and so the song yeah. is the song is too it's it's already a song that i i love it but it's one of those songs that even even hearing Black Sabbath play it, sometimes I'm like, it it seems like it's it goes on a bit too long, um, and yeah. and so on this album I'm always kind of like, yeah, they could have left that off and I would have been fine with it. <laughs> it's pretty indulgent as a song anyway. Yeah. So um, yeah, I I would agree. Um, but then on my you know CD introduction to to this album that I had, Edge of the World is kind of this tongue-in-cheek lounge song, um, which is actually about... It's, it's a true story as well. It's based on a child predator who uh, was from San Francisco, and he, he owned, like, a nearby club and, um, yeah, did some pretty nefarious things with underage ladies. <laughs> Girls. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, you know, once you know the meaning behind this song, it changes the vibe a little bit. But yeah. I still, I still think it's a cool, fun, chill song to put on if you can divorce yourself from the storyline. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's also got some real sort of the funny lyrics. The the yeah. you, you can trust me. I'm no criminal, but I'd kill my I'd mother kill my to be mother. with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it like i say it's that tongue-in-cheek lounge song yeah um you know that they, they've done this many times you know with easy and various other covers like i started a jokes spanish eyes this guy's in love with you they, they could they could make a whole um lounge album out of the lounge songs they've done yeah like i know i tend to call them lounge songs even even if they aren't but um this one definitely is yeah and uh yeah the creepy lyrics juxtaposed with a nonchalant uh straight-faced lounge backdrop i think that's that's how it works too it works yeah. perfectly i think i think underwater love is about um drowning someone <laughs> 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 like um but yeah that is my take on my second favorite faith no more album cool and i'm not even gonna pause for a second because that's also my number two so we have we have locked in in our two and one on this particular podcast so um nicely nicely done so yeah <laughs> the real thing is my number two um and like i said before this was my intro to faith no more um seeing the video for epic when it came out and it just totally blew my mind because i was 
I was into hip hop and I was into metal and, um, the, the, the vibe of the song just was really, it spoke to what I wanted to hear at the time. Um, and so I, you know, quickly, quickly got the album on cassette and, um, uh, I don't really need to go too much into this because I feel like a lot of the things I'm going to say we said in our 1989 episode, because this was our number one album of 1989. Um, yeah. but I'll just quickly go through that. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it's interesting to me when from out of nowhere starts, because if you listen to the, the, the albums sequentially, this is the first very straightforward rocker they ever did. Um, yeah. from out of, it's almost like it signals a new era of faith no more, not just with a new vocal, uh, style, but also with just like, we're now we're cutting the fat and we're not afraid to just make a straightforward rock song. Um, and it's just so it's, it's great. It's just, it signals, it signals something new, but also something equally or more awesome. If you, if you will, um, and, and really like the whole album, the the confidence that comes through in the performances and the songs is undeniable. Like it just sounds like a band that knows they already figured out who they were on their last album. And now they're yeah. like, well, we know how to do this better than we did on the album before. And they do. Um, and, and it's just amazing songwriting. It's expertly crafted songs, especially when you're talking about things like, you know, uh, uh, zombie eaters and, 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 uh, the real thing, things like that. Um, and it, and, and I've, yeah, I've said a lot of these things already that I was going to say, um, really, like I said before, Mike Patton bringing the, his pop sensibilities on some things, like he was a very, he knew how to write catchy melodies, but also he, he knew how to do everything vocally as we, as we've, we've all learned down the line, but, on this album in particular, he he's not a one note kind of person. He knows how to fit something. He knows what's appropriate for each section of the song, and he delivers what the song needs, and almost elevates it even more from where it could just be if you had a just a good vocalist. He he is an exceptional vocalist with ex- exceptional ideas, and the real big thing. The real big thing, <laughs> the real thing, the real big thing about this album for me was that it it really taught me how far you could go with rock music, and how you didn't have to just stick to the the boundaries of whatever genre or style you were lumped into. And I was obsessed with the band when this album came out. We talked about it on that other podcast where I talked about how I videotaped every television performance and every music video. Um, I was I was obsessed with them, and yeah. to to me, this is the Faith No More sound perfected. Um, I I think that they they nailed it so much here that clearly you can't you don't want to do it again. So it's like we perfected our sound. Now let's fuck with it, and yeah. that's what we get with the next album we're going to be talking about. Um, which I fuck it. I think we should just go, uh, straight right into, right into it because I think all the best bands in the world to me are the kind of bands that they put out an album where they absolutely nail it and everyone's kind of into it. 
they're not going to rest there and do album number two of the same shit. They're going to push things forward. They're going to fuck with things to just see what happens. And then that leads us to our number one, sir, go ahead and, and lay it out here. Angel motherfucking dust. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Angel Dust. What what else can I say? I have long <laughs> I have long praised this as the perfect album in my opinion. This album to me, I, I and I want it I want it duly noted. Um my three favorite bands, Metallica, Faith No More, and Ugly Kid Joe, they're all joint first for me in how much I love them. But Metallica would probably be, you know, the, the first band I got into. So I'm going to have to give you them the, the crown for the, the first favorite. And then my favorite song out of all of them is everything about you by ugly kid Joe. Mm-hmm. But then my favorite all round flawless desert Island album would be angel dust. Angel Dust is such a cohesive yet extremely varied album that I think I could honestly listen to this and nothing else for the rest of my days and not get tired of it. This I, is the I one. That. This is the one album I can confidently tell you and everyone listening to this. Lock me in a room for a <laughs> year and play this. And I will want to stay in that room. <laughs> yep. But yeah, it's a mind-blowing, revolutionary, influential record. The texture and atmosphere is insanely good. Like, the, the, the vibe they create on here is this ascended level of their already amazing core sound. Like you say, they perfected on the real thing. And then they just took it to the fucking stratosphere with this album because yeah. it it doesn't feel like they, you know, maybe apart from the vocal technique, they're not really rejecting any of their past, but more doing it much differently at the same time keeping that feel. It 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 always comes across to me as kind of a of an effortless experimentation. They're not trying too hard to be weird, but they ended up creating an album that some people would call weird. It's not necessarily weird to me because because of that because it's 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 not trying too hard. It just seems like this natural thing that these group of musicians put out that just happens to kind of it's it's they're they're not like bursting out of the boundaries of the faith in a more sound, but they did like knock, like they're, they're expanding the walls. Like the, 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 there's way more room now and they're inviting more ideas in and working them into their sound. For sure. And the notes that I have on this are absolutely nuts because I actually kind of, I actually did a separate podcast episode, which I am in the process of setting up. I'm setting up a, a, a podcast called uh, Eddie Speaks uh, with my friend Dan please, Matthews. Please, please tell me it speaks with two X's. 
It is speaks with two X's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I had to do it. It was it was the best kind of podcast name I could come up with for my for my kind of thing. So and, far, um, the fact that you came up with the title of this podcast and that one, I think that is that is your calling in life is coming up with cool names for podcasts. <laughs> I, I could honestly like I'm seriously l- just trying to decide whether or not I should make a business out of being a name generator. Yeah. I could just sit at a desk. Someone could tell me what their company is. Give me about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. And I'd give them an absolute corker <laughs> of, of a name. But yeah. Um, yeah. Eddie speaks. It's going to be, it's going to be a little similar to this, except it, we, the episodes are like an hour long and we take one episode, one sorry one album we both do a deep listen and then come back the next uh week with our own individual reviews of it so it's like a it's like cranked and ranked but it's it's more of a hobby thing for for the other guy that i'm i'm talking to because we're, we're just friends from college and yeah. we got back in touch and he's recently you know your channel actually really um it reignited his love for uh music which he'd kind of fallen out of love with so um that's yeah awesome. yeah he he commented his name is dan matthews he's commented okay on a yeah of your, yeah 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 so he's the guy i'm i'm doing this thing with but i copied and pasted my notes from that episode over to this one i, I won't i won't go too in depth but um yeah i i just thought i've already got these notes down i, I can pretty much transfer them over yeah um land of sunshine you know you know this explodes to life with this texture that only faith no more can create authentically massive step up in creativity right off the bat you know patterns using a shit ton of different voices you know all the way from like here's how to order to like like that very close operatic style and you're thinking is this even the same guy is i when i when i first got this album that was my first thought was I had to go back to the, the notes in the, cause I got this one also first on cassette and I had to go and look and be like, no, it's still Mike Patton. The, that guy, he's, <laughs> he's, he's really grown as a, as a vocalist. Like, cause I just remember being totally blown away by all the different things that he does on this album. Yeah, completely. And you know, you've still got, you know, Roddy's haunting keys over the syncopated funky metal thing going on. Not that Faith No More is funk metal, but there are elements of funk in their rhythms. Um, and then you get caffeine. Um, it's important to point out before you move on, though, the, oh, yeah. the the lyrics to Land of Sunshine, a lot of them are taken from a Scientology uh, quiz that I actually took. Personality um, test. A personality yeah. test. Because yeah, I remember being, being you know, at, at, with some friends of mine on this little strip by a, by a, the, the local college in Austin. Um, and we're record shopping and stuff. And there's a Scientology, like, center there. And we went by and they, <laughs> and they invited us in to say, hey, if you come take this quiz, uh, we'll give you free food. And we were like, oh, shit, okay. And so we went oh, in shit. and took it. And it was all this, it was this weird test where they asked several questions in different ways like it was a lot of questions but you would be like i think i already answered this question and i just remember a couple of the things that he says especially the do you often sing or whistle just for fun like that is one of the questions from that personality test so when i first uh, i remember like like this was post 
angel dust. So I remember going down there and being like, did they take, they took fucking faith no more lyrics and made, and made them into a test. <laughs> but I'm assuming it already existed before that, but my, that's my, my little story. The moment uh, religion starts around faith no more, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I'm becoming like a priest or something. Like this, the what is it like? Jim Martin from the Faith No More Spirituality Institute or something from yeah. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. What a shithead! Yeah, <laughs> station. Yeah, that's still my favorite. Like, like, like out of out of like you know, cameos in a movie, just his delivery of what a shithead. It's just yeah. so good. It's great to, it, it's Jim I Martin, think, by the way, we're talking about Jim Martin has a cameo in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Such a good movie. If, if you haven't seen excellent adventure and or bogus journey, bogus journey is the one with uh, Jim Martin in it, but God damn, what a cameo to have. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. And I, and I just on a, on a, on a side note, um, I'm very excited for Bill and Ted face the music. I oh, I yeah. am absolutely 100% ready for that movie. So, <laughs> but that's that's beside the point. That we're not going to have. Unfortunately, probably won't have any faith no more involved with that movie. <sighs> Wouldn't it be great though? It'd it be would amazing. be amazing. Oh, like Jim Martin is just in the movie. He's oh not God, even in that face would be so no good. more. <laughs> but if you've seen if you've seen pictures of Jim Martin now, you won't even know he's in it because he doesn't have the beard and the hair and the glasses. Like he's he just looks like a regular old dude now. He just you know you wouldn't even know. Pumpkin farmer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he he has had a fascinating life. Let's let's just let's just say right off the bat before I continue, Jim Martin, one of the genuinely most interesting people I have seen. You know, yeah. he was in one of my favorite bands. And when he left, he did some other projects and then did a complete left turn and became a competitive pumpkin farmer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he always did have that kind of like uh, American farmer vibe in him. Yeah. But, you know, competitive pumpkins. But he's also really great friends with the Metallica guys and, and, and people yeah. like that. Like he's he's he seems like a guy that even though he doesn't, he's not active in the music scene. I think he's still very good friends with a lot of those people. So I think he's still, he's still, you know, in the scene in some way. Oh, for sure. And I think from an image standpoint, he is pretty iconic to the early run of faith. No more. Yeah. And so, and if just in case for those of you who might be a bit lost, the, the, the album we're talking about is the last album that has this guy we're talking about on guitar, uh, Jim Martin, um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, as we, as we just spoke about, he, he did a few mu musical things after that, but for the most part, he just went and started living his life. Yeah. And, you know, similar to how Roddy wasn't really present for the, um, King for a Day sessions as much, Jim was facing similar problems. His, his dad had recently died and, you know, he was kind of taking over his dad's business a little bit on on the side and he was just struggling and he wasn't really feeling the music on this album either he wanted it to be a little bit more guitar driven when in actual fact it, it became a little bit more pattern led and so yeah and um, there, there's a really interesting on youtube somewhere there's like an an hour long or plus compilation of different interviews from while they were recording angel dust oh yeah it's a four hour um, it's, it's very MTV. long b-roll yeah. yeah and it's and it's interesting because you the interviews with jim you can tell like 
he's a good natured individual, but you can tell he's kind of like, I don't know. He's checked out. Yeah. I, he's like, he, he, it's almost like he's like, I don't know my place in, in this anymore. Am I even important to this music anymore? You know? Yeah. Which I think is kind of sad, is, is sad really, because this is my favorite. He's my favorite all time member of Faith No More, but this is my favorite album from faith no more he, yeah his 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 sound is is integral to the faith no more sound I, I i i have no problem as much as i enjoy every faith no more album in my opinion it was never as good after this album and i think he is a big reason why i don't like all the albums after as much yeah i'd, I'd say you know especially because we're metal guys we yeah. notice we notice the guitar tone difference especially yeah even when it's just atmospheric even when he's just playing some simple chords underneath it the tone of it it just it just adds that element of the faith no more sound that if you came i can understand if you came on board with faith no more later it doesn't really matter but um but overall especially from somebody like me that got into them on the real thing um it's just it's just a, a character that i'm just like this is just a part of it i don't know i don't like it without it yeah yeah i would agree it's it's kind of like yeah, it's just like a missing piece of the puzzle. Yeah, for, so it's like me. so. Yeah, so it's like you can you can clearly make out what the puzzle is. All, it's oh wait, let's do the pizza pizza analogy. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like getting time. it's like getting a large pizza and half of the pieces are no, not half the pieces. A fourth of the pieces are now gone, but it's still a a good pizza, and you're going to eat it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to break out the pizza analogy in every episode now i'm just gonna like, change the, the 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 cover image for the for this podcast <laughs> to be a pizza with us over it <laughs> and people are gonna come to it and be like i thought this was gonna be about pizza and it's all about metal <laughs> i mean don't they go hand in hand kind of they do. I feel like pop, I feel like pop punk tried to hijack it, but we've reclaimed it. The thrash dudes really reclaimed the pizza. They, re- they really did. Pizza and beer belongs to metal for sure. Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. And so, which which leads me caffeine. into <laughs> caffeine track two track, track two people. Um, so yeah, uh, beginning with like kind of a soundbite of dogs barking. You know, already an odd choice, but it works. Um, you know, it, it ups the aggression. It's it's much more metal, but it's still not like your straight ahead metal song. No, for, it's, for it's, its it's pretty odd for its time. And there's a lot of time changes in there, and you know, especially that "I'm buying you" mm-hmm. section where it does it. Just it's so cool, and it's moments like that that really does make me wonder. How is Jim not loving this shit? Because this is so heavy. I, I don't and think I think this song probably wasn't one of the ones. I think it was a lot of the other ones where there's a lot it's a lot more atmospheric with the keys and stuff. Yeah. Um you know, it's like I say, it's a it's a kick-ass, really good, great song. Um it would be very difficult for me to give, you know, any of the tracks on this album anything lower than a nine out of ten. Um this album really is 10 or 10 out of 10 for me all the way through, but, um, God damn, what a standout track, mm-hmm. you know, this one in particular. Um, and then, uh, here we go. We've got, this is a segment I would like to call 
Eddie's backstory corner. All right. Um, okay, so anyone who played GTA San Andreas back in the day had midlife crisis fucking cranked. Um, I know I did because this track rules. This was my introduction to Faith No More. So Angel Dust's weirdness didn't really stick out to me when I first got into them because I just knew what midlife crisis sounded like. So I never really had the surprise of hearing, you know, the real thing after introduce yourself and then, you know, angel dust after the real thing. The only thing that really stood out to me as, as different at the time was anything after angel dust. The first four albums at the time to me just all sounded pretty cohesive and, you know, yeah, this is faith. No more. This is what faith. No more sounds like badass, unique, you know, I, I kind of lumped them in with grunge, even though they're not, but they're still there's there's like a crossover in the early nineties between that alt metal thing and the grunge thing. They they would kind of tour together and stuff. Yeah, because I think a lot of it just started falling under the alternative category. Like even if you were yeah. heavier alternative or lighter alternative, you know, you could you could easily, you know, find somebody playing faith no more followed by rem you know like it seemed yeah. it seemed like they went together in some sort of odd way and which is why i think you know it, the early night the late 80s and early 90s are an extremely interesting time for music because so much interesting stuff was going on like that like you say and yeah it, it, it's a weird world to think about and you know i never experienced it firsthand but in a way, you know, the way Rockstar Games made GTA San Andreas, I feel like they created the most accurate, you know, I know there's a lot of shooting and killing in the game, which isn't, you know, applicable to daily life, but they created an atmosphere that feels like an early 90s simulation. Yeah, I mean, to be to be fair, it's in pretty the, bang on. if I remember right, in the early 90s, that's when over in America, there were, um, there was a... a a huge um, thing about road rage shootings. Like, yeah. like you would hear stories <laughs> yeah. of, of people being pissed off on the highway and shooting at people. And it was, and whether or not they were blown out of proportion or not, which they probably were knowing the news, but, um, but it was still one of those things where that's, a, that's the thing that was on your mind. Like, holy shit. Yeah. It was almost like a school shooting kind of thing. Like, am I going to get shot at because I accidentally uh, merge um, the wrong way in traffic yeah. or something. You know, it's it's such a wild thing to think about because you know, especially since I'm I'm from the UK. You know, shootings are much much less common over here. We do get them, but they're more likely a you know two every year kind of occurrence rather than the much more sadly frequent number that happens over in the US. Yeah, no, it's been the early '90s here. That yet yeah, that is that is right smack in the middle of the 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 boom of gang culture like the, yeah. the bloods and the crips and shit like that like that was that was That's the what time San Andreas is based on when yeah. you you really started to see and hear all of the stories um about that stuff and and um so yeah i mean really that that seems to fit right in like it should be a gang a game about um, um, violence in the inner city <laughs> because yeah. that's that's the thing that you would see on the news a whole lot. So I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I just think you know, even down to a vibe. You know, most of the most of the game is based on locations in California and a little bit of Nevada as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
And but when it comes to the atmosphere they created, the soundtrack is integral because it completely takes you to a place and because there's nothing later than 1992 on it, it it captures that era perfectly. Did they ever put out a soundtrack for that? Like with all the songs on it? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, I think there's two versions. There's a box set of like the entire collection of radio stations. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a highlights album, but you can find um, playlists on Spotify of all of the tracks. I'd be interested to hear like all the stuff they included on that. You would, I think you would be very impressed with San Andreas's soundtrack because it's got, it's got the like West Coast hip hop station, yeah. um, which is like the kind of gangster rap stuff. Uh-huh. And then you've got like the um, more old school 80s hip hop station. Um, but there's also a classic rock station, a grunge alt metal station. Um, and then there's other stuff on there as well, like kind of a funk station. Uh, a country station, which is funny. Uh, there's a lot of countryside in the interim of the cities as well. And I know, I know, I'm doing my kind of San Andreas circle jerk like I do every episode, <laughs> but um, you know, it's a very important thing to what you know. It gave me a lot of music that has uh, stayed with me, and it's an well, important yeah, yeah we, window for me. We've we've spoke about it before in an earlier episode where it's like that video games, you know, in the modern era are just as important as MTV was to all of us that are my age. So it's, you know, it's yeah. how, it's how you discover things. And so, um, yeah, the, I, I don't think that you can really make light of it because it's just because it's a video game. I think it's just as important. However you discover music, it's good, you know? Oh, for sure. And you know, just, just for a little bit of fun, I've got the, uh, I've got the track list here. I just want to get your initial reaction to the, uh, alt metal and, <laughs> okay. um, and uh alternative kind of station okay so we've got unsung by helmet oh my god that is a good start right there <laughs> um funnily enough it you know it's got it like you say it's got all facets of the alternative scene so you know you've got unsung by helmet personal jesus by depeche mode cool midlife crisis by faith no more mm-hmm. mother by danzig <laughs> Co- cult of personality by living color um moving on up by primal scream welcome to the jungle guns and roses pretend we're dead l7 mm-hmm. rusty cage by Soundgarden. killing in the name um being caught stealing fool's gold them bones and plush wow yeah that's uh that that takes you back to a i mean that that is that is easily 92 because all of those things were were uh, were around you know being either new or still being played in 1992 so that's that's pretty cool yeah it's 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 like they captured a time capsule perfectly in something that was released 12 years later but yeah for for sure and now now that i've finally done my little my little um, tangent. Let's get back into Angel Dust. Midlife um, Crisis. Midlife Crisis. What can I say? Fantastic song. Per- perfect Ex- fucking song. Perfect song. It, extremely well put together. You know, all of the vocal performances, even stuff down to like the Ebo on the guitar. Um, and the, doing the, those, the, then you got yeah. the really great Beastie Boys um, uh, uh, 
what do we call it? The sample in the middle. Yeah, the car thief is it? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Do, 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 do. Like that. That is. Uh, there's so many great things about about this track. I would imagine for you as well at the time, being a hip hop fan, did you recognize that sample? Um, n- no, because um, at that point, um, I th- uh, Paul's Boutique was an album that didn't break big in America. And right. so I was already a huge fan of the Beastie Boys, but I remember um I for some reason the Paul's Boutique went really under the radar and I didn't really hear anything from it. And then Check Your Head came out and then I was that was me going, "Oh, this is fucking rad. We we should do a Beastie Boys one one of these days." Yeah. Um, but uh <laughs> but yeah, so so um I I didn't know Paul's Boutique well enough to actually get to hear that part of it, but later on yeah. down the line um, I, I would hear that part and go, oh, it's cool. They, they, they took that little bit from that, from that song. Definitely. Yeah. It, it, there's just so many cool little, um, Easter eggs to discover in this song. You know, even the, um, Simon and Garfunkel, Cecilia, um, sample at the start of the drum beat, yeah. you know, in that underneath Borden's, um, you know, kind of tribal style of, of drumming. And, you know, I just, the, there's a part in the chorus as well that really gives me goosebumps because it changes from major to minor. You know, it starts off with the, you're perfect, yes, it's true. Well, without me, only you. <laughs> and that, that um, I think the melody of his voice hits the minor third of the minor chord used there or something i remember it explained in a podcast croissant episode shout out podcast croissant um and they do a really good breakdown of midlife crisis too but god damn that chorus that chorus is it, it there's a reason this is a defining moment for this band it's iconic yeah, it's it, it's it, it, it's in my it's one of my favorite Faith and More songs, but also one of my favorite just songs in general. Like it's it's in my top ten for sure of songs ever written. It's it's just that good. Hell yeah! Okay, so uh, let's move on over to RV. Um, RV approaches Mister Bungle levels of weird. Um, you know, after hitting us with three very different variations on a alt metal kind of style. They hit us right in the ears with this white trash um, character monologue over the top of this like tripped out country western feel, and it's it's the first song on the album where you think, okay, what? Like <laughs> you know that kind of <laughs> that kind of feel. Yeah, at that point you're like, I knew these guys were weird, but okay, what's going on here? <laughs> th- th- this song always makes me feel like. Mike Patton already had the vocal idea ready to go. Like he just started doing this impression and then yeah. the guy started making appropriate music underneath it, you know? Yeah, for sure. The, yeah, sorry. I had a brain fart there. Um, yeah. While this is extremely strange and different, it still manages to feel consistent with the album's vibe. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, like it stands out but it doesn't take away anything i feel like it just adds to the what the fuck side to this album that really makes it such an interesting listen but um yeah like i say it 
it really opens up in that um, bridge section. Throw a belt over the shower curtain rod, you know, and swing. (laughs) It's just all of those different vocal styles Patton employs on this record really shows how much he's grown in such a short span of time. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, RV, what what else can I say? I'll just tell him what my daddy told me. You ain't, you ain't never going to amount to nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to sound so fucking cool on the podcast <laughs> when it's edited. <laughs> that was that was ace. Cool. So now we've got um, Smaller and Smaller. I've heard this referred to as Death Metal Pink Floyd. <laughs> um, and it makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's like okay yeah whatever whatever it, 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 any any weird description would probably work <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of this like arabian desert journey vibe um it it's just it's another chunk of this album that's so hard to describe but it's somehow extremely different yet extremely makes sense in the context of this album because none of these songs, I hear one of these songs and I think that's an Angel Dust track, but to to an outsider looking in, you wouldn't know that, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and I feel like, you know, this all of these different feels that they're dropping on us with these songs, um, it's just absolutely immense. And then you know this this song really gives me like the stood at the edge of an abyss kind of vibe when that solo really opens up and Mm. jim martin jim martin doesn't really tread on this album but the leads he plays um i mean you know he has a couple solos here and there but the leads he plays are more textural than they are to show off agreed and you know very often in this album i find myself almost like looking in pure awe at it just thinking shit this is amazing and all of the i'm still discovering samples that i never realized were even there on this album yeah. like yeah there's, I, a, there's a lot to unpack from from these songs there really is like and i think as as well strangely this is the only album where they really did a lot of sampling you yeah know, yeah be- yeah be- i think before you're right. and since before and since there's there's not really any sampling on you, you get the odd sound bite on um, the real thing, but there's no sampling on King for a Day. And then, you know, obviously, Everything's Ruined, another example of this album's wildly diverse, yet mind-blowing, consistent quality and style. You know, the, Yeah, and, and, and another pretty perfect song, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah those drums, bass, and keyboard, the core of Faith the More just locked in. Um and the vocals and keys, they're just, they add so much atmosphere and character to an already grooving sound. And it's almost like the guitar and vocals are a very tasty icing on the cake. Whereas, you know, Patton's distinctively intriguing lyrics as well, coupled with Jim Martin's thrashy parts. It's just such a interesting, like, it shouldn't be as palatable as it is to to me at least yeah 
like yeah, I feel, it, it, it's one of those things that I think on paper you would think it wouldn't work. Yeah, um, but it it easily does. Definitely, I I would say from an extremity point of view, malpractice still scares the shit out of me. It's it's a pattern song. You can tell it's a pattern song because it's so batshit insane. You know, it's the most extreme and progressive of the album's tracks. Uh, it it does sound like something out of a horror movie at times, even with the the the, the weird like the string section thing going oh on God. in the middle of the song. Yeah. It's, and the uh, bells It sounds like something well. from Psycho or something. It really yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. Those bells and the strings, good God. And, you know, it, the, the darkest part to me is that little lullaby part in the middle that kind of lulls you into this false sense of yeah, security. Yeah, it's fucking spooky as hell. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, am I okay? Am I summoning something by listening to this song? <laughs> you know? I, I'll never forget the first time I heard it. I was I was actually it I was my fourteen year old face by the end of it was like this. Eh? What? <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll allow the I'll allow the listener to make up their mind on what face that was, but <laughs> just, just just make this noise. Eh? <laughs> yeah, everybody at home, do your own face. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's kind of this um scooby-doo on crack kind of face but yeah (laughs) and then you get um kindergarten which does a very kind job of chilling you out after such a thrill ride (laughs) and yeah it does it does seem like you know if you're if you were watching a horror movie after some really big tense moment the next scene where you're kind of starting from scratch again like kindergarten has that feel yeah. Of, uh, all right, we're we're back down here again. Now where do, now where are we going to go, you know? Yeah. It definitely brings this song. Now I said this in my other podcast. I I described this song as aggressively chill because it's still yeah. got the it's still got the guitar in there. It's still moving ahead, but it doesn't have it doesn't have this like driving ahead, punching forward kind of feel. It kind of Everything's laid back, you know. Everything's loud, but not too loud, and especially with that bass solo and the keys in the middle and the way they kind of groove along together, is one of the album's prettiest moments. And I feel like this this song is, to me, one of the most underrated Faith No More songs. Yeah, because it's just got such a good soundscape, and you know patterns, you know scatting sound buried slightly in the mix just creates this Mm -hmm. otherworldly kind of vibe i love this song you know and whenever it comes on i am immediately in a good mood you know it 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 has that kind of reassuring feel to it that just puts me in a good place personally i really like i like it yeah it's a good it's a good example of the sort of effortless um moods that they can create with a song um, where there's there's a lot more going on in it than you first realize. Um, so, yeah. Definitely. And on the flip side, you've got the upbeat follow-up with Be Aggressive, you know, which, you know, dare I say, is an absolute tune. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it starts all spooky with this, like, um, Hammond organ thing. No, sorry, this church organ thing. And then it goes into this Hammond organ funk stuff and it's i love the fact as well that mike Patton wasn't 
afraid to sing a song about oral sex written by the band's <laughs> gay keyboardist. It's it's so yeah. It's such a great premise of a song and you know it's it's a nice upbeat change again to the more chilled out kindergarten and I feel like the running order of this album is so perfect because each song hits you with exactly the right mood you need after finishing the previous track. Yeah. And and also like um once you do you know discover that the song is about um male on male or oral sex yeah. <laughs> it makes it makes it even more appropriate that the chorus has the female cheerleaders chanting yeah. be aggressive <laughs> it's just it's just so perfectly done yeah. that it's it's another one of those things where um i don't i don't think i would have come up with that idea but i'm glad that they did cuz it's just absolutely perfect in that song yeah um and then you, you no, not not finally. I I mean finally, <laughs> I mean finally from a single um, point of view. The the final single that we got from this album, a small victory, it's yeah. it's it marries this concoction of styles that shouldn't make sense but totally does. You know, with its metal meets dance music and Eastern melodies attitude, kind of smashes these boundaries and you know gives us a world of sounds that never ceases to offer something new for the listener to enjoy and really sink their teeth into, especially in that like industrial metal, like part with all of the cash machines and, and all of the, all of the different stuff going on that you don't notice while you're listening to it. But if you give it a deep listen, you hear all of these sounds and you think, why did they put this here? But it adds to the vibe. It's so, yeah. It's also a good example of Mike Patton um, doing something that's not necessarily expected because the whole the whole the verses are very melodic, da, 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 da. and then you get to the chorus and it's the the yeah. no, like it's very syncopated and rhythmic, and it doesn't it, it's not it, it's not a poppy and catchy um, chorus yeah. when you're just thinking about what it is, but it is easily something that just gets stuck in your head, even though it's not what you would necessarily expect for that part of that song yeah and i think you know a good way of describing this album is is kind of bipolar because it does switch between major and minor keys and it and it can't quite make up its mind at times whether or not it wants to be happy or dark and i i, I personally love that about this album it has its dark moments but it makes yeah. me feel good at the same yeah, time honestly honestly even the upbeat moments on this album always feel like they're under a, a, a large cloud to me like yeah. it, the, i and and that that's one reason that i really do think that funny enough this album to me has more in common with introduce yourself than it does the real thing because introduce yourself has a lot of dark vibey kind of things yeah. and 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 Angel Dust also has that sort of thing where they create these moods that even in, even in something that's energetic and upbeat, it still has like a weird overtone of of something's not necessarily right here, you know. Yeah, and you could even boil that down to the to the artwork choice because on the front cover you've got this you know beautiful egret bird. Uh, is that the right way to say it? Egret, egret. I, th- I think it's egret over here, but who knows who's right? Yeah, yeah I, I I have no idea. For for ages, I just thought, oh, that's a 
swan or a pelican or whatever the mm. fucking bird that is. It's the angel yeah. dust bird, you know. And exactly. Then, and it, but on the back cover, you know, that you don't see on things like Spotify and that, you've actually got like meat on a hook. You know, it's kind of like a cow's this, head. Yeah, cow's head. And it's like kind of this slaughterhouse abattoir kind of vibe. And that, you know, basically sums up this album, you know, gory, um, gory stuff with a pretty veneer kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of these maniacal, insane moments wrapped up in a really sophisticated sound. And I feel like the keys have a lot to answer for on that front because they create this like kind of, I don't want to say like, you know, above it kind of feel, but it does make the album sound more sophisticated than perhaps it would with the keys absent. Yeah, I think, I think you're right there. Yeah, which brings me to a very um, Roddy heavy song with uh crack hitler you know which plays with the listener's ears a, a bit more you know it's it's got an unsettling mix of funk and dark orchestral movie score overtones yeah and you know Patton's fuzzy ham radio kind of delivery thing going on here um really you know the only part that's really metal is that like Dah, hey Hey, oh, the hey, middle, the middle section, yeah. But you know, the rest of it's it, a, cons- considering how dark it is, you know, that's the only real chuggy metal bit. But yeah, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say that the the Jim Martin's like wah guitar part in the in the verses that's almost to me that seems like the closest he ever got to doing anything like funk guitar. Yeah, because um, he, I guess there's some wah on be aggressive also, but yeah, the, it's real prominent because it's real rhythmic in what he's playing. Yeah, um, um, on Crack Hitler. Crack Hitler always makes me think of Shaft. Just that, like, <laughs> yeah, Shaft. That would be brilliant. <laughs> you know, just a mashup of that. Yeah, you're damn right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, for a while, this was my least favorite song on the album, but it grew on me. It it, it was the, definitely the biggest grower track on the album, but th- this of all of the songs on this album, it feels like the most soundtrack kind of song. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's got this like creepy glockenspiel part at the end as well with the patterns falsetto thing on that. And it's just all of the parts on this album are just so well placed and so well put together, but you wouldn't think in a traditional song to just throw something like that in there, but it totally works. Yeah. And then, uh, you can, you can tell my voice, my voice is starting to go. I'm, I'm getting a well, little shit. We've been, we, it's over two hours now talking about three albums. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. I guess, I guess technically four, but yeah, we'll, we'll go with four. We'll go with four. That's no way. No one, one, two. Yeah. I think we, I think we mentioned four here anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I've got Jizz Lobber, uh, brought to the band by guitarist Jim Martin, the heaviest, in my opinion, song on the record from a guitar groove standpoint. I would say Malpractice is the most extreme. This is the heaviest, I would say. I don't know. I I really do think that the 
the the core if you can call it a chorus with the and then Mike Patton's like chaotic screaming yeah. over it like it that that seems like the heaviest moment on any Faith in a More song to me yeah like, I, I don't think it gets heavier than that and not just in the the sound you know of what what's being played but the sonics of it all like everything just it's it's very dark and very heavy oh yeah for sure I think this is. You know, you've even got that kind of um, you've got the psycho thing in there, like ding, 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 yeah, going through it, and it just make like you say, it's got this really dark and nasty sound to it. This one, and those huge chords in there as well, and it it encompasses all facets of the band's sound, but it doesn't do it in the faith no more like it does it in a straight ahead i'm going to crush you to death with my guitar approach <laughs> yeah you know and something that really stands out to me as well is that beautiful evil sounding um organ outro at the end of this song if yeah. if I ever wanted to be like a professional wrestler or some shit and following the following the footsteps of like the Undertaker, I would go into the ring to that in the background because like it's so good. Yeah, it do, like this whole section of the album, Crack Hitler into Jizz Lobber, and then the ending of Jizz Lobber. It really does like it, it, it just to just to continue making horror film analogies. It's like the, the the climax of the horror things where things start to get a little bit a he- bit heavy and then finally it's like the final fuck your world up thing happening. Yeah. Um and then the 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 organ part at the end of the song it's almost like um congratulations you you made it through. It has a very yeah. sort of like you know you're now on the other side. You made it out. And then that brings us to what the what I guess you would call the denouement in a movie, um, which is which is the the next tune you're gonna get to. Yep, I've got the uh, I've got the now th- this album finishes on uh, a, you know apart from the original pressing, this album finishes up on two covers. Uh, the first is nope. fin- fin- finishes up on one on the original version. <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's what I mean. I, I meant apart oh, okay, from, apart okay. from apart from the original version. Um, gotcha. The there's two covers and they're perfectly chosen in in my opinion. You you've got Midnight Cowboy feels like the end credits sequence. It's an instrumental track and it's taken from obviously the movie Midnight Cowboy and it's this. It, it, yeah. It does give the album a cinematic closing kind of feel. It does. And I feel like Easy is like this version of Easy, the more stripped back version without all of like the string parts and stuff. It kind of feels like a lighthearted, um, everything's going to be okay, you know? It, you've been. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I almost shy away from even talking about it now because to, to me, like it, it's from that EP that came out a little bit later. It wasn't on Angel Dust, and so um, Midnight Cowboy is the ending of the movie to me. Like Easy is just like a, a deleted scene. I guess you watch on the DVD, yeah, <laughs> or something like that. I, I suppose I've, I've never been without Easy on the album. You know, me being, yeah. me being a younger younger lad so i've i've never listened to this album without easy and 
it's become such a integral part of the listening experience for me because Angel Dust is such a roller coaster that you kind of need a cool down period. And while Midnight Cowboy is kind of like an end credit sequence, it feels like that's preparing me to go into Easy. And then Easy is just like this I'm a chill out. I'm a vibe for about three minutes, and then I'm going to go about the rest of my day feeling completely fulfilled and completely chilled out once more because I have battered my ears with this absolutely amazing work of art, but I need I need a good like five minutes to, to process everything that's happened. And easy is a highlight for me at the end, really, because it's become my kind of, you know, come down. So it's like, ah. Yeah, yeah. For, for those of you who don't know, it's a cover of the Commodores song "Easy," which is sung by Why Mr. Lionel easy? Richie. Ah. Which is a, it's a, it's a great cover, but like in in just because of the history of the band and, and my my experience with them, I didn't hear this until a year or two later, I think. And so um, it's always weird to include it here, but um, which but is you do have a good point. Like it does it does. Uh, like the the vinyl version that I have has easy on the end of it because you know I can't afford to get a fucking nineteen ninety two pressing of this album. That's not, <laughs> that's not a thing I can afford. Yeah. Um, but let, well, let's. I'm I'm gonna quickly give my little two cents on the album so we can wrap it up here because we've we've gone over the two hour mark talking about so so Holy few albums. Shit. Totally. So Angel Dust to me, it, it's a very important album, and clearly it's my favorite Faith No More album because it's here at number one. But it's one of those things where it was a highly anticipated album because I was so in love with the real thing and obsessed with Faith No More, and they were one of my favorite bands at the time. And when this album came out, there was really no expectation as to what to expect because... Um, the real thing was the kind of album where you kind of felt that this band could go um, in several directions and, and you'd probably be kind of cool with it. But um, I, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, I think I saw, I think the video for Midlife Crisis premiered before the album came out. So I think I'd already heard that. And then, um, I mean, this is one of those things where I even remember where I went. Like I went to Tower Records and bought this on cassette and yeah. it was... I think it was the beginning of the summer or something like that, but I just remember it being something that all of a sudden was the only thing I wanted to listen to because it, it this album is a a level beyond another level. Like it just it just expands on the Faith No More sound so much that it almost renders it anything before it obsolete. <laughs> like yeah. it's just like. Um, we've now, we've now, we've now moved so much forward, you know, <laughs> and, and, um, it's one of those albums. Like I, I talked about, uh, um, when we talked about Nirvana and I was talking about in utero, um, just like in utero, angel dust is an album that sort of set the bar for what I expect from great bands. Like I don't, I don't expect a band to give me the same thing twice and I want to be challenged. I want to have my mind opened up a little bit by something. And, 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 and I just want it to be an interesting listen. And Angel Dust is probably the best example of that kind of album. Um, and I already said a lot of these things before, but um, it is, like you said, there's a lot of different moods 
on this album, but they all seem to sort of fit together in a very weird kind of way. And they are, they're all equally engaging. Like there's not a dull moment on this album anywhere. It's, it's pretty much just a masterpiece. And, um, I, I, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's in my top 10, maybe even my top five. I don't even remember the last time <laughs> I did a, a top 10, it was somewhere in there. Um, and it's just got so many memorable songs, which we, we broke down, um, all of them there. Um, and it's an interesting album in hindsight because it's one of those albums that would go on to influence a ton of different bands um, who all included people that probably didn't like it when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's one of those albums that I, I don't remember friends of mine liking this album. I loved it. Yeah. And, and especially in America, it was an album that, didn't get the respect it deserved until much later. And now it's the album that you name drop. If you want to say you're into interesting rock music, you know, Um, which is, which is fine. However you come around to it is it's great. And we already talked about Jim Martin. Jim Martin's sound is very important. Um, And I know that, you know, he had things going on in his life and he wasn't happy with his role in the band at this point and the music they were making. But um, if for some reason he could ever hear us talking about him, I, I, I would want him to know that his, just his presence on the album um, is, is perfect. And it's, he managed to give every song exactly what it needed, even if it wasn't necessarily what he wanted. Um, and, and, and like I said before, I, I, th- I think Faith No More it was never the same after this album. Yeah. Um, and that being said, as we've talked about a lot, you know, the, the albums that came after this are very, they're really great albums. And I, and I continue to consider myself a faith, no more fan, but, um, this is the peak. This is, this is the high point for faith no more. Um, and that's really all I have to add. We, we've kind of discussed everything else. It is just one of those albums that um, never gets old. It, li- it will live with me forever. And I, I'm, I'm with you. It, um, I hate talking about Desert Island albums because I'm always like, can't we just narrow it down to maybe like 50? Like, yeah. <laughs> do we have to say one? And so, um, and so I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where if, if there was a Desert Island, you know, 50, <laughs> it yeah. would be in the, in the group because it, it's just a, it's, it is, it, it's a, it's a fascinating and um, exhilarating listen every single time. And that's why it's uh, both of our number ones, a, another joint number one from Cranked and Ranked. That could be a fun episode, our, our um, Desert Island discs. I mean, we, we could totally do, we do that. We could do a, the, I, I want to at least do 10. So we, because it's, yeah, that's, it's hard, that's it would be one. hard. To, it, 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 it was hard to do five albums from one year. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you have anything else to add before we wrap it up? Uh, not really. Like, like you say, Faith No More don't have a bad album. They've just got good albums and amazing albums. So, yeah, you know, it really is. They are something else. There's nobody sounds like them. They're so original. You know, I can't think of a single band that sounds like them authentically. Um, yeah. They really are just, they're, they're, I would hazard a guess. They're probably one of 
they're at least one of the most unique bands of all time. Um, and also, I think that they're the kind of band that you may feel the same way. So you meet somebody randomly on the street or wherever you are, and they tell you, um, oh, I, I love Metallica. Metallica is the kind of band where you're just like, oh, right on. Cool. I, I love them, too. But if somebody tells you I love Faith No More, yeah. you're almost like, brother. Like, yeah, you, like, yeah. it's like It's like you... It's like you found each other because it's one of those bands that it's they can be divisive and they are at times an acquired taste, but it's almost like you're in a special club, like the people that love this band. You're all kind of like-minded individuals musically. And and I also do think that, that being into Faith No More is a really good indication that you have a uh, realistically wide scope of of. A, a music appreciation. Yes. Like you're, you're, you're somebody that I, I, I think that you're knowledgeable if you're, if you're into faith no more. Yeah. I, I would, I would say so too. You know, I, they just really are such an all encompassing thing while having such a unique style, you know, no one album sounds the same. And that is, fascinating to me because you know you've got your bands like metallica that you know did evolve but and i know you know the guitar tones would change but you could listen to like a marathon of kill em all ride the lightning master of puppets and and justice for all and you'd be like yeah these are thrash records you you don't do that with faith no more you know? Yeah, there's a progression, but it's a very gradual progression. It's a, it's a, it's not a, it's not a leap. Yeah, you know, from one to the other. So yeah, yeah, that's that's I, I totally agree. Whereas when Faith No More drops a new album, you're like, what is this? I love it, but what the fuck? You know? Yeah, it, it's it's one of those like juxtaposed feelings of like this shouldn't work, but it does, and it does yeah. it brilliantly. And, I, and as we talked about, or I talked about in the last episode, that's the feeling that I didn't get from their most recent album. Yeah. And, and that's one of those things where if they do decide to make another album, um, I really hope that they throw us for a loop. I hope that, I hope that it's something that we're not expecting that maybe at first we don't even really like. Yeah. Um, and, but, but it grows and, and becomes something that you totally understand. And, and it, it, I don't know there, if any band can do it this late in the game, I think that it's them. So we'll see. This is where they do a trap song with like a dubstep bass drum. I would not, that, I'd be absolutely fine yeah, with that. Yeah, it'd be so funny. There, there's literally, <laughs> I don't know if you heard it, the a little quick side note, the, the band, the thrash band Mordred, it's like a funky thrash band. Yeah. Um, they released a new EP, and the second track track is a full on trap song. It's not metal at all. What? And, uh, and 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 people are all like, "Why the fuck would they do this?" I'm like, "Because they're they're fucking weird. That's what they they've always done. Whatever the fuck they want, dude." <laughs> so I have got Spotify open, and I am typing yeah, it in as we speak. Mordred, I, just listen to Mordred. Listen to every Mordred album. So <laughs> I cannot wait to hear this. I'll listen to it after, anyway. after the podcast, but goddamn, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, before we before we run way over talking about other shit, um, thank you all for joining us for our uh, love fest uh, for Faith No More. 
Um, ho- hopefully, hopefully we didn't go on too long. Uh, um, some of you, I think, enjoy the lengthy ones. So um, this is an example of how we can literally just talk about a few albums and go on for two and a half hours. So, <laughs> so yeah. So uh, th- thank you for listening once again, and we'll be back um, next week with uh, the next. I think we're going to do another band, um, but uh, no hints here, folks. We're going to keep things. I'm going in a direction where um, maybe you don't quite know where we're going to go. We're not going to go to you know to any country music or anything, but <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna oh, keep things interesting. I was going to say we do Willie Nelson. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> on that note, let's uh, let's let's wrap this up. Um, thanks for listening to Cranked and Ranked, um, and we will see you all again next time. Take us out, Eddie. Later, dude.